I think the world of Kyle. Um, I thought what he did for our team this year, you know, whether it be his first meeting in training camp, right through to the trade deadline and right through, I just spoke to him, what, three minutes ago. Um, he, he's a world-class GM and I'm not in charge of what happens with his contract, but um, everything he did was in the team's best interest and he put us in a position where we had a chance to to play and to win and to succeed and ultimately the players are the ones that were on the ice um, at the end of the season. Okay, so that's Morgan Riley, Toronto Maple Leafs defenseman, talking about his general manager, Kyle Dubas. Speaking of Dubas, both uh, him uh, and Sheldon Keefe will speak a little bit later on. We will bring that to you. Uh, it's probably sometime in the second hour, but uh, when they get up to the microphone, we'll broadcast the entire thing. If it goes past the end of this show, Matt Marchese, our, our producer and fill-in host, will uh, handle the affairs there. Um we're going to talk a lot about the Maple Leafs. We're going to talk a lot about the Edmonton Oilers. And I thought I'd start off the uh, the program today just talking about Canada and NHL teams in Canada. And, you know, we have to go back to 1993, uh, the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup, which was Gary Bettman's first Stanley Cup uh, handed out um, to, uh, to the Montreal Canadiens. Since then, Canadian teams have certainly made the final. You know, Edmonton's been there. Ottawa's been there. Vancouver's been there, Montreal's been there, but Canadian teams haven't been able to win the Stanley Cup. I don't know what this does. Like, I'm not going to pretend to know what you know. Constant, you know, uh, failure to win the Stanley Cup does over the years to Canadian hockey fans, or does to hockey in Canada. I would just be throwing darts. I have a feeling I know what it does. But it's not based on anything empirical. It's not based on anything fact-driven. It's just how I feel about things, and I don't think that it's good for hockey in this Canada. But I'm going to bracket that conversation because I really don't know. But one of the things that I think we're all interested in here is why. Why, when you consider it is this hockey-mad country, it is a country where when uh, a, a kid is born... You know, uh, he or she gets the, the tap on the bum and a hockey stick put in his or her hand. Uh, why one of the first questions a parent gets asked is right shot or left shot? Why in this country, and maybe they're in, they're, therein lies the answer, where it's all about hockey 24-7, although that is changing. But by and large, it's all about hockey 24-7. This country's inability to capture the top trophy consistently now going back to 1993 there are many people that have many lifetimes here who have not seen a canadian team um win the stanley cup you know elliot's going to talk about this coming up in a couple of moments um i i think we're all curious as to why and there's a few things that i think might seem a little bit obvious like I spent a lot of I spent a lot of this morning uh, making phone calls and sending texts and just trying to get a sense of why this keeps happening to Canadian hockey teams, where the best they can do is they can inch closer and closer and closer, but like Icarus approaching the sun, ultimately the wings melt, and it doesn't work out for Canadian hockey teams. You know, I think one of the easiest ones is to say, well, there's just too much pressure. 
You know, as much as Canada manufactures these elite-level hockey players and has these programs of excellence, these hothouse for, you know, for elite talent, there's just too much pressure playing on Canadian hockey teams. And I will grant you that. There is something there. It does take a unique, unique type of person who can thrive in the pressure cooker that is every single Canadian NHL market. You know, there's also the idea that there is a, uh, a tax inequality and players understand that you have a finite amount of time to make the most amount of money and to maximize your earning potential. Best to do it in low tax states. Notice I said states and not provinces. There's, um, there's another thing that I'm going to get to here with Elliot, which someone, uh, which someone told me this morning, which I've really been thinking a lot about, and I think there might be something to it. Um, but before we get to A-Block Elliot, as we like to call him around these parts here, you know, maybe Amel Delich, the producer of the 32 Thoughts podcast, texted it best last night as the Vegas Golden Knights beat the Edmonton Oilers, dispatching them as Canada's last hope. What he texted to me and Elliot was, Canada needs an expansion team. Whatever happened to St. Louis going to Saskatoon? Could we bring that back for the good of hockey in Canada? Let's get to the show here. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We're going to get Elliot on board here in a couple of moments. Uh, Coming up on today's show, we have a Game 7. Let's not lose sight of that. There is still hockey to be played, and uh, we still don't know who the Vegas Golden Knights will face in the Western Conference Final. Congratulations, by the way, to the the Vegas Golden Knights. uh, Worthy victors, and congratulations to the Florida Panthers. Worthy victors there as well. Uh, And now Vegas waits uh, for tonight as the Seattle Kraken face off uh, against the Dallas Stars. Um, you know, Toronto's an interesting situation. We'll hear from Dubas. We'll hear from Keith a little bit later on. The first decision that needs to be made here around Leafland. And I'm sure those conversations must have had, must have been had, whether it's with the primaries or not. Um, what is the future of, of Kyle Dubas? But also, you know, with the Edmonton Oilers, you can make the point that the smartest thing they can do right now is nothing you have an elite team you just lost to another elite team run the whole thing back next season elliot freeman joins me now from hockey net in canada and 32 thoughts uh elliot i know you don't like it and you're crabby after the last canadian hockey team goes out in the stanley cup competition but uh where you live did the sun come up this morning Yes, as I said, Jeff, I give myself 12 hours. We finished the podcast at uh, about 1.30 in the morning last night, so we're coming up on 12 hours. It's time to uh, be my usual sunny self again. (laughs) Okay, let it go. Let it go, Elliot. Um, Okay, so a couple of things here. Before we drill down on Toronto and Edmonton, was thinking a lot last night as I went to bed after the podcast and did again this morning and, and was texting with people this morning and made a couple of phone calls as well. And what I was curious about this morning was I wanted to talk to people and text with people who both played in Canada and the United States. Um, and it was still mainly people that I spoke to who are still involved in the game in some capacity. And a lot of things came back because I, I'm curious, you know, why? You know, 1993 was the last time a Canadian team won the Stanley Cup. And I think, you know, whether it's, you know, taxation, which is, you know, one of the reasons that came back, you know, players have a finite amount of time to make the most possible money that they'll ever make in their lives. And they need to maximize that, uh, that potential. 
you can do that in low or no tax states a lot easier uh, than you can in, in heavier tax provinces in Canada. Certainly that's one. There was the pressure element as well that, that a couple of people mentioned to me this morning. But, you know, I, I talked to one person, Elliot. I'm curious how this resonates with you. And this person said to me, look, I've played in both. Um, and the one story that you guys don't pay enough attention to is what playing in warmer climates does for your body and recovery and just how good you feel on a day-to-day basis. You're not in Canada. It's not cold. It's not snowy. You're not tensing up. You're not tight. You spend a lot of time in shorts and flops, and that does wonders for your body. And you guys don't talk enough about that as one of the reasons. Does that resonate with you? Absolutely, it does, Jeff. As a matter of fact, as you were talking about taxation and pressure, I was going to say warm weather. And you, the other thing, too, Jeff, yeah. is you look at this, like there's a combat. I, I think if you take a look at it, Florida, which has had a team reach the Stanley Cup final the last three years, win two of them, and has a team in the Eastern Conference final this year, they're a no-tax state. Um, yep. You know, uh you know, Seattle, Washington is a no-tax state. Uh, Nevada is a no-tax state. Um, like, Dallas, and those, Texas. Texas is a is a no-tax state. And uh, well, Washington, it's not like snowy there. It's more rainy, but it's not the same climate as the other ones. But I absolutely do believe in that. Um, like you know, like with me. You know, if I was good enough to play in the NHL, and we know I'm very, very far from it, I would love to play in a Canadian market because, uh, like, like I look at it as, yeah, the risks are high, but so are the rewards. And that's kind of the way I've always looked yeah. at life. I like the high risk, higher, not so much with, uh, with uh, my, my mortgage or anything like that, but in terms of things I do, <laughs> I, like, I like the high risk, high reward plays. And... Um, you know, and so I would do this, but I think those three three things you mentioned. I think the taxes is a huge one. I think the climate is a huge one. And you know, someone said to me, you could have, you know, if if Dallas wins tonight, you really get four warm weather climates as your Stanley Cup finalist. Carolina, not the same, but it's still a very nice place to live, uh, climate wise. That's not a coincidence, Jeff. And whoever told you that, they're bang on right. You know what? I'll tell you. I uh, I looked into this this morning, and you know the like. Let's say Dallas wins tonight, okay? Dallas, and let's say they beat the Kraken. So we're looking at Vegas, Dallas, Florida, Carolina. Carolina really is the only place that gets any consistent snow, and it's only on average two inches a year. Like this is this is the southern expansion plan. This is. You know what? Uh, you know when Gary Bettman took over, you know just before 1993, and the Montreal Cup was his with his first to hand out. Like th- this was the plan. This was a plan to to expand to the south. And now, if Dallas wins tonight, all of a sudden you have four warm weather or i.e. non snow and ice teams competing for the Stanley Cup, Elliot. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like, like like the thing is, like Jeff, like I said, I. I, I do go through an angry period where nobody should come into contact with me for a little bit of time when the last Canadian team goes out in the, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I, I badly want to see a Canadian team win the Cup, and I don't care which one it is. I just want one of them to win it. 
Um, so, you know, I don't like it, but like, I'm not one of these people. Like I, I like, I, like I understand there was a lot of discourse on the weekend about how this is a bad thing that Florida and Carolina are Eastern conference final and nobody's going to watch. Well, you know, my reaction to that is if you need that matchup, if you need your big markets or your, uh, or, or certain markets to make your final four every year, then, then you don't have a league. You know, I, I mean, like whoever gets there earns it. And that's the way I like it. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, it doesn't matter what size your market. It just matters how good your team is. And, and do you play hard and well at the right time? And I think that's the way that life should be decided. And, um, you know, like, like the, the whole idea that, that it's bad for your league if only the big market teams play in, play in your, your, your final four or whatever, like, to me, that's – you don't have a league if, if you need that. You have yeah, – I don't know yeah, what yeah. you have, but you don't have a league. I, I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I felt about this uh, – I don't think I've ever talked to you about this. Um, because I'm with you 100%. But you know what I think it's a reflection of? What's do you that? have a good game or not? You, do you have a good game or not? Do you have a good sport or not? Do you have a game that's attractive to a non-local market? Like, mm-hmm. you, look at, um, you look at other sports and, and, and TV viewership patterns. You know, it, it's not just the local fans that tune in. Like, if you have a good sport, if you, let's say it's um, the Philadelphia Flyers and the Los Angeles Kings in the Stanley Cup final. If your sport is at a place where it's consistently interesting, it's mm-hmm. not going to be just Philadelphia Flyers and Los Angeles Kings fans that watch. If your sport's in a place where it's interesting and exciting and exhilarating, you are going to draw in fans from all over the place. To me, that's the biggest indication of where your game is at because local fans will cheer for the local team. The local team is winning. Everybody hops on board. Everyone's getting the jersey. Everyone's waving a flag. Everyone's doing all those things. To me, the audit on where your game is is in the Stanley Cup final. And to your point, it should not matter that it's Carolina and Florida. It should not matter that it's, you know, it could be Dallas or Vegas. To me, that's an audit on where your sport is at. Where is your game at? Question mark. That to me is the big audit. Yeah, like the thing is, like I work in TV and I know people go goofy about ratings in TV because they have to. But I've never really done that. And, And the reason is, I think that it doesn't matter if one person is watching your broadcast or a billion people are watching your broadcast. You should be attacking it the same way. And I see that as my responsibility. Mm-hmm. My responsibility is to have a good show no matter how many people are watching or not. And as you know, Jeff, I have never failed in that quest. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 like that's kind of the way I look at it. Now, there's other things I think about, yeah. like, I look, I look at the NBA playoffs this year. Like, the NBA had really a weak regular season ratings-wise, but they've had a phenomenal playoff. Like, their playoff numbers yeah. are going up at the exact right time for them because they've got some TV deals going. So I look at that. Like, I do think we need more heroes and villains. Like, I, I think that's very important. I, I think that has to be there. I think the other thing, too, uh, I would say, Jeff, is that and you and I didn't touch on this on the podcast, but maybe this is a perfect place to do it. I do worry about the future of the, of the Canadian hockey fan. Like, it's been 30 years since we've had a cup year. We've been close 
in some places. Um, you know, uh, we talked in the pod today about how much we disliked the start time last night, so I'm not going to get into that any further. Anyone who wants to hear that can listen on the pod. But, you know, like it used to be that Canada was in, in the sports world, it was mainly a hockey country and not much else. Well, now we've got a really good men's soccer team. We've got a really good women's soccer team. We're going to figure out the basketball thing eventually. I'm astonished it hasn't happened yet, particularly on the men's side, uh, but I believe we will get there. We just had a WNBA game uh, in the city on the weekend. I'm, I'm really surprised there isn't a WNBA team already in Toronto. I thought it would have happened already. Like, there are other things, and we're definitely a baseball country. The Blue Jays' numbers are excellent. And, oh, yeah. Like, I, I do wonder about it someday. Like, I remember meeting with uh, the former um, president of the Maple Leafs, Tom, and Selmy. Geez, it had to be about 2009 or 10. And, you know, he talked about, maybe it was a bit later than that, but at that time it had been, might have been a little bit later than that. It, that. it was probably around 2011 or 12, but at that time it had been seven or eight years since the Leafs had won a playoff series. And they were worried about, like, if we don't have success here, uh, you know, you're going to see more fans wearing other jerseys and more fans getting interested in other things. And, like, if anything the first two rounds proved is, the Maple Leafs still have a lot of great fans, like great fans and fans from mm-hmm. all backgrounds. And, and like, it's, it's not one people. There are a lot of people in the city in particular who love hockey. And I think you go to other places in the country, it's the same way, but you need to have success eventually. And on some level, I, I, it does like, you know, I, I, it, the, the ratings have proved and the playoffs have proved that, there are a lot of great hockey fans in this country, but I think at some point in time, they're going to need to be rewarded. I think it's very important and felt like they're made to feel important too. Right. Uh, okay. Uh, park that conversation. Uh, Maple Leafs are out. Edmonton Oilers are out. We're going to hear a little bit later on from both Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe. Let's just go, let's go position by position here uh, to start. Um, in Toronto, the general manager is Kyle Dubas on the expiring contract in Edmonton. Um, the general manager is uh, Ken Holland. He has one more year on term. We'll start with Dubas and the big question. I, I don't know that he's going to be able to say anything at this press conference later on today, but what is the latest, as you can tell, with Kyle Dubas and Toronto? I, I believe they want to extend him. I believe he knows that. Uh, I don't, like, I, at this point in time, I've got no reason to believe it's done, but I do believe the conversations have started uh, internally for sure. Like I said, I don't know where it is with him. I believe he wants to come back. I believe his first choice is to be the GM of the Maple Leafs. Um, but I think, like the thing is, Jeff, you've been on this side. If you're negotiating a contract, you've got to agree on compensation. You've got to be on ter- agree on term and contract. You've got to agree on what it means, what control you get, what decisions you get to make. And while I think they yeah. want him back, and I believe he wants to be back, we have to get there first. So I'm going under the impression that they will work this out. Although, and I do think they, but I don't, I can't say that for a hundred percent. The one thing I do know is that I think everybody wants to get this done quickly because if it's not in Toronto, you know, Dubas is going to need to know if he, what else is out there. You know, it's, um, I don't know that the, the, that the decimal point is a big sticking point. 
um, maybe I just put too much in. Oh, it's a it's an ATM machine there. It's you know just the, the you know the, put as many zeros on the contract as you like. It's it's the Maple Leafs after all. Um, but to me, a potential sticking point might be power and final say over things. I'm just trying to find, you know, the places where there's a speed bump between Dubas and whoever's on the other side of the table. Would that be accurate? Uh, you know, like, like I, uh, I do think that, uh, look, I don't think they, like, I think this year was a really hard year. And the, the stress on them like, everybody knew what the landscape was going in. That if they didn't win at least a round, like, it was, there was going to be massive change, and everybody could have been gone. Now, they went around, and they didn't do well in the second round. They were disappointed. And, but, I, like, I think, like, I heard in a lot of ways that the disagreements, whatever Dubas and Shanahan disagreed on, they weren't unworkable, is what somebody told me. What, but what this person also said to me was, this year put a lot of strain on everyone. And just imagine, like, imagine what you're like when your job is on the line and multiple jobs are on the line based on the kinds of decisions you make. And in those situations, every disagreement that comes gets worse. So I think that, um, like, I just think that the two of them are going to have to sit down and figure it out and say, is there a way that this can all work to everyone's satisfaction? I believe the answer is yes, there are ways it can happen, but again, you got to get there. Um, how much of a factor for Kyle Dubas, I want to get to Ken Holland in a second here, but how much of a factor for Kyle Dubas and his negotiations with the Maple Leafs is the impending Austin Matthews extension? Well, Matthews just had familiarity uh, there. Yeah, uh, Matthews they, just they, had they an availability know each other. today. All Davis worked with Dubas. Yep. They just uh, Matthews had an availability today, and he said he wants to stay. His intention is to stay, and I believe that. I have been on record with you many times saying that I think they're going to sign like a, a medium-term extension at a big number that will likely make him the highest-paid player on AAV in the NHL. Um, uh, I think that, uh, I, you know, I think the thing that the, the organization is aware of is if Dubas stays, Matthews knows him and knows the plan, as he kind of said today. And if Dubas is out, then you have to go out and get someone else. And Matthews doesn't necessarily know that person. I also believe this. Mm-hmm. I think the Maple Leafs are extremely uncomfortable with the idea of not having an idea of not knowing Matthew's decision on an extension before July 1st. Like he's got a lot of leverage, but if he, if he, if his no move clause kicks in and you haven't signed him, he doesn't have a lot of leverage. He has all the leverage. And I don't think the Maple Leafs will want it to get to that position. So I think they've got to know by the draft uh, Jeff, or as I said on the pod, it could be an interesting draft. Yeah. Uh, could be an interesting draft anyhow, because I, I still do have a hard time believing that they come back. Now, some players are going to leave just because of the salary cap, but how different do you think this Maple Leafs team looks next season? 
I think it will look slightly different. Like, I think the other guy who doesn't get a lot of attention here is Nylander, who just had a 40-goal season. He's also up in a year. How does he feel? Um, you know, I, I think they will try to get faster. I, I do think that's one thing I've heard they kind of talked about was, you know, they, they, they had to be able to like – Kevin made a really astute comment on uh, Saturday night, and it's not easy for me to admit that. But he talked about how they knew they were going to play Tampa and they, they, could, they could put together a team that could beat Tampa, which they did. But you have to be able to beat all sorts of different teams in the playoffs, and they weren't quick enough against Florida, especially coming out of their own zone. They, they really were not that quick. And sometimes you can beat that by moving the puck quick, but sometimes you can't. And Florida really handled them there. I think they're going to try to get quicker. I do think, Jeff, that... You know, some of the players like, you know, Hall, I could see him being just, you know, going somewhere else where it's a little bit quieter. Kerfoot, uh, Bunting, I don't know if they're going to have the ability to sign Bunting. Like, I think there's a few guys. Like, I can see them wanting to bring back Comp. I can see them wanting to bring back yep. Shen. I, like, the, the tough one to me is going to be Achari. I, like, the way he played in the playoffs, I had a couple teams tell me, like he's going to have interest and the, and, and, the, and then we'll yeah. see what happens with O'Reilly. But I think they're going to try to bring back a couple of those guys. I think they're going to let a few of them walk. I think they're going to try to get faster. And I think they're also going to have to figure out what it's going to take to keep Samson on because wool is one of your top two guys next year. Like he's, he's an NHLer now. Yeah. And uh, we'll see. He'll now be tasked with trying to uh, to win three in a row for the Marlies over the Rochester Americans. See if they can uh, stretch out their uh, their American League playoff here. Um, Edmonton Oilers. Ken Holland, general manager, one more year on his contract. Yeah, so. Here becomes a question. You know, Saturday morning, everyone in Leafland woke up and it was kind of like, ugh. It was just an uh, an awful feeling, I'm sure, through throughout the entire organization. How are Oilers? How is the Oilers organization waking up this morning? How are they feeling after what just happened last night? Probably like crap. Like nobody likes to lose. Like the, the one thing I think that people have to kind of remember about the NHL playoffs is because of the way it's set up, you know, you look at it like, oh, well, last year you made the conference final and this year you made the second round fail. Well, yeah, on its face, you can say that. But also the way the, the Stanley Cup playoffs go, you get higher quality matchups earlier. Like we're talking about the fifth and yep. sixth place teams yep. in the league, meaning in the second round of the playoffs. Like that's, you know, that's, that doesn't happen a lot. So if I'm the Oilers, I'm not looking at it like we lost in the second round. I'm looking at it, we lost to a team that we could have played in the Stanley cup final. Cause it, it could have happened. Like, like, if you think about it, if, if your bracket is a 16, um, four and five, oh, sorry, five and six, they don't meet up this early. Like, it's, it's, it's a late, late, late round matchup yeah. for five and six to meet. So that's the number one thing I'm looking at is I didn't lose in the second round. I lost to one of the very few teams in the league that was better than us. So how do you make yourself better? Number one, I think Skinner will be better. Uh, they have, they, they really have to work on Campbell this off season. It doesn't make, you know, you're going to, I mean, you could always try to move them, but it's going to cost you. So you have to try to solve your problem. 
Um, I think the other thing, though, uh, Jeff, is I just think they have to get better at five-on-five. Where did they lose this series? They got creamed at five-on-five. So how do you get better? That, that to me, is the, is the question. You know, you mentioned Hall has got one year left on his deal. There's generally been a feeling that this might be it for him. I think it's possible. We'll hear what he has to say. Um, but, uh, like, I, I know there's definitely been some word out there that, uh, that he's considered next season being his, his last season. Um, okay, park that. More coming. Dubas and Keefe coming up a little bit later on their pressers. Uh, quick thought on what we're going to see tonight. Game seven, we all love it. Um, puck is a little yep. bit heavier. Every zone entry gets the you know the hairs up on your arms. Uh, every shot on goal is uh, is is met with with scrunched up shoulders. What do you look for tonight? Uh, and is the and is the answer Jake Ottinger? Well, I think it is absolutely is because. He's been the closer. He's been like Mariano Rivera. He comes in late in series. He shuts down the flames for the most part, although he, he has phenomenal numbers, although they lose in overtime in Game 7. He, he shuts down the wild for Games 4, 5, and 6, and they win the series. And now we go to this, and now we go down to this one, and, you know, he's been a little rockier. So... Like, to me, Game 7 comes down to goaltending. Who gets the better goaltending? And on paper, Dallas should get it, but it hasn't always been the case. If I'm the Kraken, Jeff, this is house night. I'm playing happy and free because nobody expected me to be here. <laughs> and I could already imagine the hot takery if the Western Conference Final is Vegas-Seattle. Oh, the two expansion teams, no shortage. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I was mentioning off the top, maybe our uh, our podcast producer, Emil Delich, had the best point. We want a Stanley Cup in Canada. Give Canada an expansion team. That, that was good. the only way that they get there quickly. That was a good one. Okay, uh, enjoy your walk. Uh, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. We'll uh, stay tuned a little bit later on, both Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe poised to speak. Thanks, Fridge. All right, buddy. Have a good, have a good day. All right, there he is, Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. So maybe you have theories why it's been 30 years of Stanley Cup futility uh, in this country. No Cup since the 1993 Montreal Canadiens. And if you'll recall, even that was kind of a surprise and a miracle run with all of those overtimes and Patrick Waugh heroics. And Daryl Sedora pulling the baller move of all time. Have I mentioned this to you before? One of my favorite things, because I'm really petty. The one thing that you probably know about me, listen, I've been in this time slot for a long time. I've been around Toronto radio for a long time and nationally on television and on radio podcasts, etc. Greg, Elliot, all of it, is that I can be pretty petty about things. <laughs> you probably know that about me by now. One of my favorite things, and you can go watch this. You can go off to YouTube and watch the closing moments of 1993, okay? It's at the Montreal Forum. And this is like a, a white whale for me. I don't even know where to begin to try to find it. There's, um, there's a scene right at the very end of the game. I've asked Kelly Rudy about this. He was a goaltender after all. There's a scene at the end of the game as the crowd is counting down and Montreal is about to win the Stanley Cup. Daryl Sador defenseman for the Los Angeles Kings has the puck 
And he's coming out from around his net as the time winds down. And he takes the puck and he fires it into the crowd. That is a Stanley Cup winning puck, which someone has. Someone in Montreal, and maybe that person's moved, is no longer in Montreal, and has taken that puck with them. Or maybe that puck has been mixed up in a puck bag with a bunch of other pucks, and it's lost to history. But one of my white whales has always been, I'd love to find that puck. I wonder what ever happened to the 1993 Stanley Cup puck. Maybe you have it watching or listening right now. You know how places like ours at Sportsnet or The Athletic does a lot of this too? You know, hunts down really, really obscure things. You know, like the Henderson puck, and that was a big deal once upon a time. The Pat Kane puck from, uh, from, uh, from, from 2010, Chicago and Philadelphia. To me, the Daryl Sador puck of 1993, just because I'm petty, and that was Daryl Sador saying, no one's going to enjoy this puck. This thing's not going in the frickin' Hall of Fame. I'm going to sizzle this one into the stands, the legendary Montreal Forum. Hopefully, you know, hopefully someone who's, uh, who doesn't understand the importance of it just says, hey, look, there's a puck here, and chucks it away or discards it or puts it in a, another pile so the Stanley Cup, Cup puck is gone forever. Or maybe you're someone at the Hockey Hall of Fame who's listening to this right now, watching this right now on 360 and saying, yeah, we have the puck, dummy. It's at the resource center. Someone turned it in. I would just like to know. Because if I am nothing else, I am very petty when it comes to my hockey. We are going to uh, get on the Seattle-Dallas page. We have Game 7. Uh, we're going to get more into the uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers situation. We should park some time as well. Talking about the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers. That is your Eastern Conference final. And don't look now, but Tara Vinen looks like he's inching closer and closer to a return to the Carolina Hurricanes light up. Dun, 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 dun. Merrick show continues. Uh, listen, you're listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network, watching on Sportsnet 360. We're simulcast as well on Sportsnet Now. Back in a moment. 